everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We are your tipsy host, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hi. Hey, guys. So we have been replacing our floors at home, which has officially turned my hands into the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Thank you for the, the curved the visual that you're doing. Yes, your visual. Yes. They were asking me right before we started how my hands are doing, and the answer is unwell. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> like the rest of me. <laughs> But specifically my hands. I wake up every morning with my right middle finger in a full-blown flex position like this, where I have to stretch it out. Oh, your little steeple is stuck. (laughs) so bad. Your steeple is stuck. My steeple is not steeped. Yeah, that little little hand thing. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Was it the middle finger? No, no, those are the people. (laughs) My people is... Your people are stuck. You open the doors to see My steeple is fine. My people are fucked up. <laughs> Again, like the rest of the world. I the feel like are- <laughs> we planned your 40th birthday and this is what's happening. And then your people on your fingers went downhill real fast. Her vitamin D level I'm concerned about. I know. It is a, it's an ongoing problem. I'm get, trying to get it under control, but... Um, for the time being, I'm just coming up with all these home remedies and how to fix it. So I have bought myself some fingerless compression gloves. Like Michael Jackson? I, I prefer Madonna. Like Madonna. Yes. <laughs> or Fergie. I bet Fergie oh, has those. Did Michael Jackson have fingerless <laughs> gloves? You know, I don't know. Uh, I know he had a sparkly one glove. Yeah. Oh. Um, but you know what? Cindy Lauper had fingerless gloves. There it is. So I didn't even mention the best part. Um, besides the fingerless gloves, I decided I needed ice packs and they are mittens, M- mitten ice packs without fingers on them. So I wear my fingerless gloves and my mitten ice packs. You're like the grandma in the ER <laughs> who keeps trying to take off I her robe. Oh my God. I know. I <laughs> remembered this one time. Mittens. <laughs> or horror story of a lady who never took off her gloves. And when she finally did, her finger fell off. And I yeah. thought that's going to be me. That's going to be me. I'm going to wear my compression gloves. That's why I got the fingerless ones, okay? So you can see my fingertips. It might be hard for you to wear your gloves at work. That's true. It will be. I can't. (laughs) You cannot. You would not be efficient at your job. They're pretty tight. I wore them overnight a couple times, and yeah, I was done with them by the morning. Do your hands hurt because they're compressed? Yes. (laughs) I can see all the lines on my hands, so they swell. I guess I just have... Old hands. <laughs> that sounds, I bet you are the sexiest person when you sleep now. Listen. Old hands, young heart. <laughs> There's a kink for everyone, okay? <laughs> She's got her fingerless gloves. I can see her on her back with her hands folded on her chest. Just the tips. <laughs> <laughs> she sleeps like a vampire. I do. I am really cute. <laughs> like I said, there's a there's a kink for everyone. So I'm sure somebody out there loves it. Fingerless gloves. <laughs> I I wish your fingers and your hands all the best. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate okay. that. <clears throat> I'm going to get it nice. under control. I'm working on it. Um, well, are you guys ready to hear my my short story tonight? Yes. I would like for you to entertain me. Prepare yourselves because there is no way to tell the story without jumping all over the place and including a lot of random details. So... I love random details. Here we go. Are we going to know what this is? I don't know. I didn't know what it was. Okay. I love this game. I'm on the edge of my seat. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you about the Montauk Project. Mm. Ooh. Ah. Don't know it? 
I don't know. Okay, I might. Let's see. So the Montauk Projects (laughs) is a conspiracy theory that alleges that there were a series of secret U.S. government projects conducted at Camp Hero or Montauk Air Force Station in Montauk, New York. I know of it. Don't say anything. I I don't don't know much. And I love everything that you just said. (laughs) (laughs) How do you not know this? You might as you go on. You are a conspiracy person. So Montauk, New York is near the eastern tip of Long Island. And it's, I know. It's on the east coast. Cool. (laughs) East coast. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. It's a few hours away from New York City. Okay. The project took place during the 70s, 80s, kind of into the 90s. We'll get more into a timeline here in a little bit, but just so you have an idea. And it is said to have involved mind control, time travel, weather control, wormholes, teleportation, and kids hook up to wires in underground labs. Also monsters. Also monsters. So it's like Stranger Things. It's kind of like that, but hang on. Okay. You have to be strapped in, Boydston. (laughs) It was said to have been funded by Nazi gold retrieved during World War II. Mm, Okay. So cursed right from the get-go. Bad money. Dirty money. In order to try to understand this conspiracy, though, we have to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia experiment. I'm sure we've talked about it a little bit. I did go into some detail here. So Um, this is a well-known conspiracy theory that began in 1943. It is based around the thought that the U.S. military was trying to bypass Nazi radars during World War II by using electromagnetic fields. <gasps> EMF. EMF. According to the conspiracy theory, the military developed a technique that allowed one of the ships called the USS Eldridge, which was stationed in Philadelphia, to be invisible to the radar and to the naked eye. What? Just poof. The okay. invisible. <laughs> Little John also has known as Little John. <laughs> <laughs> he was the captain of this ship. Okay, well, it was it was gone. It poofed away. In, no, it was in invisible thin air. to the naked eye. Yeah, to the naked eye. The ship was also supposedly able to transport through a portal to Norfolk, Virginia. Do you say the L in Norfolk? No, it's Norfolk. Nor Nor Norfolk. I've never been there. Norfolk. I don't know. Norfolk. I know, but the way you like enunciated it was just so fun. No, Norfolk. Like folklore. Norfolk. <laughs> Norfolk. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's not right. That's not right. Tell me what it it's is. It's not Norfolk. The, the people of Virginia, please tell us. Help me. I always just pronounce it, which take it with a grain of salt, because it's me. Norfolk. But there's that an L like there. An R. Okay, it's R? in Virginia. That's no, not like you said Norfolk. N O R F L L K. No, I know how, how it's spelled. It. <laughs> I thought you were asking how it's spelled. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that place in Virginia, which is more than 200 miles away, the Eldridge reappeared back in Philadelphia just a few minutes later. But unfortunately, some of the crew had been fused into the ship, and they may have rematerialized inside out. Or driven insane by the disorientation that happened when they time traveled. That is a risk of time travel. Apparently. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. It's distortion. Did you ever watch the SpongeBob episode where they traveled through time? And they come no. back and you're different. Like, it's just not the same. And They're then, part like, of the ship. 
There's actually a couple episodes, and then one where Sandy had a machine, and then he tried to transport him, uh, SpongeBob and Squidward. <laughs> I did not see that episode. Thank you for anyway, explaining that. They came through like combined. I feel like you <laughs> explain a lot of things in life with SpongeBob references. Well, yeah. SpongeBob knew a lot. That sounded judgy, but <laughs> yes, you're right. I do the same thing with The Office. <laughs> so yeah, they 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 did that, or. They rematerialized inside out. They're part of the ship now. Yeah. Or they were driven insane by the disorientation from the time travel. The few that weren't driven insane experienced something they called a, quote, hyperspace bubble that existed outside of space and time. Okay. I don't make these rules. This is what happened to them. In 1984, a movie was made about the Philadelphia experiment. And while a man named Al Bilek was watching this movie, he had an overwhelming sense of deja vu. After this, Al claimed that he was able to unlock repressed memories about his extensive involvement with the Philadelphia Experiment, as well as something else called the Montauk Project. He claimed that the two were intertwined, and I'll tell you how here in a little bit, but Al claimed that his memory had been wiped clean by the CIA and that his real name was actually Edward Cameron. He and his brother, Duncan Cameron were crew members on the USS Eldridge in 1943 when they were in their 20s. Al told his story at a mutual UFO network conference in 1990. <laughs> Do you want to go to that conference, Boydson? Absolutely. You didn't ask me, but I'm saying it. I don't know why you're pinpointing me about the UFOs. <laughs> you love UFOs. That was and the aliens. first answer. <laughs> it sounded judgmental, and yes, no. of course, I would like to go. I'm saying I will go to a UFO conference with you. Thank you. Mark this day. I will find one and we will go. You may not like me on that trip, but I will go. You don't have the balls to confront all these UFO believers. They might even convince you. Lindsay's going to come out with a tinfoil hat. (laughs) I will walk in with a tinfoil hat. (laughs) At least you're supportive. All right. So Al told his story and he also said that Nikola Tesla had engineered the equipment that allowed him and his brother to time travel and reappear at Montauk's Camp Hero on August 12th of 1983. So that's the little bit about the Philadelphia experiment. And now in order to learn about the Montauk project, I have to tell you about a man named Preston Nichols. He's a key player in this story. He was born in Long Island, New York in 1946. He received degrees, according to him, in parapsychology, psychology, and electrical engineering. He also did some specialized training in EMF, whatever that is. Like electromagnetic fields? Yes. Okay. And I know what EMF is, but I don't know what the specialized training oh, is. I was like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> no, I don't know what that means to no. him, but he was really good at it, according to him. In the early 70s, he worked as an electrical engineer, but also had a side project. In 1971, he said he received a grant to study mental telepathy. He says that mental telepathy is totally possible and that telepathic waves are very similar to radio waves. So he gathered a group of self-proclaimed psychics as test subjects. And about three years into the project, every day at the exact same time, the psychics would quote unquote stall where their abilities would just go away for a little while at the exact same time for every person. And Preston theorized that this was probably because of an EMF interference somewhere. So using his special equipment, he realized that a huge radio frequency wave appeared at the same time they reported their malfunction. 
but he still needed to find the, the source. So he knew it was happening, just didn't know where it was coming from. Right. So in 1974, he built a huge antenna and strapped it to his car. <laughs> yeah, he had a strap on? <laughs> a huge for one. His car. A huge one for his car. Okay. And then he drove around. He drove around until he found a strong signal. And he ended up at the Montauk Air Force Station. And the Montauk Air Force Station was built by the military military in 1942 to defend against German U-boats during World War II. Mm -hmm. It was designed to look like a cottage so that the enemies wouldn't recognize it as an army base. Smart. Or naval base, military base. In the 1960s, an 85-foot radar tower with huge antenna. (laughs) Everything's huge. Everything's huge. It's huge. It's like Texas. Yeah. The antenna was built to detect Soviet aircraft during the Cold War. So Preston's drawn to the antenna in 1974, and he's convinced that this is the reason for the psychic's interception. This is the putting off EMF that's intercepting their abilities. Like, this is happening, okay? This is what he says happened. He approached the guards, but... To the building, but they didn't want to give out any information. So some time goes by, about 10 years, and later in 1984, he heard that the base is now abandoned. So he went back. He got in just easily and noticed that everything was completely messed up in there. There was papers everywhere. It looked like everybody just left in a huge rush. He ended up in a building with a high voltage machine uh, made of technology that he really didn't recognize at the time. And again, this is somebody who was kind of familiar with this type of machinery. Mm-hmm. So it was unusual that he didn't know what it was. He left the building and um, decided to contact the appropriate people so that he could buy some of the equipment that he found in there because he thought it would be beneficial to his studies. So supposedly they handed him a piece of paper and told him to give it to the security guards at the base and they wouldn't give him any trouble. So he took a friend named Brian, who happened to also be a psychic from his study, mm-hmm. and they went back. He handed the guard the note, and they were allowed to enter the building and take what they wanted. Brian claimed that he was getting weird vibes and started to, quote, tap into his psychic frequencies right then and there. I'm getting very suspicious that they're just like, sure, pick what you want. Here you go. I mean, now's the time you're getting... <laughs> I've been suspicious. I've been suspicious, but they should have been suspicious. I don't know, man. I don't know. So yeah, Brian was getting his vibes and he started to start talking and he mostly spewed out a bunch of nonsense. But then at one point he claimed that Preston used to work as a technician on the base, but left after an experiment went wrong. The two main words that he kept saying over and over were mind control. Dun, dun, dun. After this, Preston claims that complete strangers were approaching him, just giving him information. He said like something was unlocked when they went there and um, people were just coming up and telling him information that pertained to this whole building and things that he didn't quite understand. So one person showed up at his house and said they used to work for Preston at the Air Force Base, which would mean that he would have had to have been living a double life, essentially, working simultaneously as an engineer and as a technician at the Air Force Base at the same time. He has a lot of free time on his hands. Yeah, he's very busy. So he was like, I need a break. This is a lot of information, a lot of things going on. So he decided to travel back to Montauk. And on his break, he camped out on the beach and decided to ask the locals if they had any strange stories about 
weird happenings in Montauk. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them did have stories, but most of them had to do with nature. Man, a lot of them were like random weather events and it was beautiful outside and all of a sudden this burst of a storm happened, whatever. Um, or herds of wild animals showing up randomly. Okay. So I'm going to introduce you to another person. This person's name is Duncan Cameron, also known as the Seeing Eye. And, and the brother of the dude. That's right. Okay. I got so it. That's kind of how things are all tying together here. Nice job. Good job. <laughs> I remembered it because I thought, that's weird. He has two first names. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> good job. Duncan, he just had heard that Preston was good with radio equipment, so he actually contacted him asking for help to repair some of his own equipment. Turns out he just also happened to be a psychic. Amazing. They're, they're repairing each other's equipment. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Continue. Okay. I'm the a two, fifth grader. Well, now my next sentence sounds weird because the two <laughs> became fast friends. <laughs> Yeah, they did. (laughs) One day, Preston decided that they should go to this Air Force base that he had been two years prior. And he was like, "Uh, you're a psychic. This may be a good idea. Maybe maybe we'll come up with something good. So this time they broke into the building and Duncan seems to know exactly where everything is. He knows um, where the boards are, where all the things that were pinned up that the employees were using. And he leads Preston into a room called the transmitter room where Duncan fell into a deep, deep trance. How are there so many psychics? How do people know this many psychics? <laughs> I don't know. Preston uses a technique to unlock Duncan's repressed memories, and he has a, quote, flood of memories. So he's, like, hypnotized? I don't remember. He was doing all these studies on psychics and helping tap into repressed memories, and so this was kind of his specialty. Okay. As a side gig to repairing equipment and working as an electrical engineer. Yeah, he's got a lot of hobbies. He's very busy. Duncan suddenly remembered being a test subject for a horrifying experiment built or held in the base of the Air Force. He also says that he's been programmed to befriend Preston, murder him, and blow up his laboratory. Whoa. Didn't see that twist coming. Took a big turn. Did. Unfortunately. They both decide it's time to go public about these experiments in case Preston ends up dead. Then at least maybe somebody will pay attention. So in July of 1986, (laughs) I put the USPA or the U.S. Psychotronics Association. It was a conference again. Oh, yeah. There's so many conferences. (laughs) (laughs) Preston gave his story this time about what had happened um, with the experiments that they had envisioned. And news began to spread fast. People started approaching him about their experiences, including a senator who wanted to remain anonymous. He claimed that the Air Force Station was decommissioned in 1969, and after 1970, no paper trail existed that tied the government to Montauk. Preston feels that the project began right about the time when the paper trail stopped, which would make sense. For a conspiracy theory. I was going to say, that's convenient. Right. In 1990, Preston is working on his radio equipment, and he was accidentally shocked. It's like, a shocking not experience. Not surprised, but like zzz. Like zzz shocked. Okay. Yeah. Because of his shock, <laughs> <laughs> he suddenly himself had a ton of memories come back to him. Oh, so it's just like, you know, electroconvulsive shock therapy? Okay. He did it to himself ac- yep. accidentally. He invented it. Um, this is a lot of people having a lot of memories. I know. <laughs> repressed memories. They have a lot of repressed memories. And psychics. So his repressed memory was that 
He was actually a scientist who worked on the Montauk Project from 1973 to 1983. Convenient. Weird, right? After 1970. He claimed that this was possible due to none other than time travel, obviously. Okay. Time travel has entered the chat. Hello. (laughs) Again, after the Philadelphia experiment. Okay. But he says that the U.S. government learned about time travel during the 40s through a project called the Rainbow Project or the Philadelphia Project. It's the same thing. And around this time was another project when the government was learning how to control weather or weather manipulation through a program called the Phoenix Project. I feel like the U.S. is doing lots of things during an important time in history, like World War II. We should have been kind of preoccupied with that. Right. But no, we were learning how to manipulate the weather <laughs> yes. and time travel. Like, listen, Actually, I know there's a ships. war and Mm-mm. millions of people are dying. No, that's how they got through it. So everybody was focused on the war. However, the people in the future who traveled back in time, mm-hmm. they were able to focus on these experiments because they were traveling back in time. Okay. I mean, a lot of people thought that, <laughs> to be honest with you. Let's they really believed when it. everyone was busy. And, like, the government was mm-hmm. actually funding projects like this. This is not fake. This is actually happened. The Philadelphia experiment that happened, this whole, whether or not it actually time traveled or not, but it was a government funded project along with the Phoenix project with the weather manipulation. So they were definitely trying to do weird things. Okay. My brain is. <laughs> I'm following. Fuzzy. I get it. Okay. What's so fuzzy? What I, I, she with? hasn't had her repressed memories come back yet. That's part of it. I'm not saying I believe it, don't believe it. I'm just saying that's what happened. There are, they, they did have these projects. Like they going. were funding it. Yes. I get that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Supposedly, the government disbanded both projects, but according to Preston, they didn't really end. Right. Okay. He says that in 1969, both programs were taken over by a company named Brookhaven National Laboratory. And the combined programs were then known as the Montauk Project. So that's where we got to where we are now with everything all together. And now we're in Cold War season. <laughs> we were. We were. But we've moved past. You have to jump. We've had to time travel. Well, because this is time travel. <laughs> it is. And there's really not a way to do it without, I'm sorry, jumping all over the place. Preston said that they also um, experimented at Brookhaven in alien communication and mind control. Two very important things. He said that he joined as a scientist in 1973 and claims that most experiments that were done there were unethical. Shocking. And he claims that their primary test subject was none other than Duncan Cameron. (gasps) Duncan. He's the brother with two first names. Duncan was very I mean, special. technically, they both have two first names. That's true. That's true. Well, yeah. there it goes. Okay. But, but if that helps you remember it, then I it support it. It me. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tore it down. <laughs> you really did. You could have waited till the end. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to forget his name. Duncan who? It's Duncan Cameron. <laughs> Let's just travel back in time and forget I said that. <laughs> okay. I know how to do that. Uh, Duncan, he was pretty special, according to the Brookhaven lab. Yeah, because he has two first names. He does. <laughs> He's son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you gotta hurt me? <laughs> Why do you gotta kick me when I'm down? <laughs> they unfortunately would do lots of like um, testing <laughs> on Duncan. They strap him to a chair, put the thing around his head, and um, do lots of experiments to test his psychic abilities. And this was called the Montauk chair. 
Supposedly, though, anything that Duncan visualized, it would materialize right then and there. You visualize, you materialize. Uh, But that was her slogan. You know how nice that would be if you're a foodie? Yeah. Oh, for anything in life. I visualize a million dollars. I'd like to be able to shut it off, though, here and there, because sometimes you think about scary things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want those. Yes. I get it. Invasive thoughts. Yeah. So, okay. Why would Duncan want to kill Preston? I was they were fast friends. <laughs> Hang on. Was Preston in charge of the experiments? Preston was a scientist. Preston was one of the people in charge of the experiments. Yes. He's so that was one of the big, big problems. So because they tortured him. He hurt him. <laughs> yes, he did. And now he wants to hurt him. Yes. He hurt his feelings. All the things. Feelings. <laughs> emotional, physical body. <laughs> he was unwell. Um, so Preston, Duncan, and a few others came up with a plan while, while Duncan was still a test subject and Preston was the scientist. They, they decided enough was enough. So I put a little excerpt in here from his own book. Preston's or Preston's book called The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. I need to read Preston's book. Okay. Here's my dramatic (laughs) reading. Okay. I start. What? (laughs) What'd you say? (laughs) Excerpt. Okay, yes. I started. Sorry, I said it fast. I'm sorry. I thought you were German for a second. (laughs) We finally decided we'd had enough of the whole experiment. The contingency program was activated by someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair and simply whispering, the time is now. At this moment, he let loose a monster from his subconscious. What? Because remember, he can materialize anything that he thinks about. Visualize and materialize. Yes. Gotta let loose. And the transmitter actually portrayed... A big, hairy monster. It was big, hairy, hungry, and nasty. Was it Patty Abe? I believe it was Patty Abe in the in the flesh. Yes. Patty Abe time traveled. She came all the way over to the East Coast. Oh, bless her. I love Patty Abe. It is coming full circle. Patty Abe is full circle. Was standing up for, for Duncan. Thank God. Somebody had to. Um, okay, Big, hairy, nasty. But it didn't appear <laughs> underground. It showed up somewhere on the base. It would eat anything it could find, and it smashed everything in sight. Several different people saw it, but almost everyone described it as a different beast. Uh-huh. So this Patty Abe was basically running amok amongst the whole Air Force base. The Air Force and eating people. And just going crazy and... Preston saved the day, naturally, because he wrote this book. But this is what happened, according to him. So he cut the wires of the machine that was able to materialize the things from his head. Why didn't he just visualize a cage? It was the Demogorgon. That's what it was. Ooh, stranger things. uh, Here we are. And the beast disappeared once the wire was cut. That's amazing. So Preston claimed that his memory was wiped clear after this incident because things had gotten out of control. Preston's memory was. It was the men in black. (laughs) Yes, it wasn't the CIA. It was the men in black. And then at that time, he was sent back in time to work as an electrical engineer. And that's how his life began. As an electrical engineer, and he began living his double life. Fascinating. (laughs) I, wow. We're almost there. Thanks for hanging in there. In 1992, he released his own book, which I just read from. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several other people began coming forward with their memories as well. Most of them were boys at the time, men when the 
book came out. Um, and they claimed that they were also abducted and they all had similar memories of being strapped to a table, naked, unable to move. Some were force fed hallucinogens in a room called the acid house. And they just have these like fleeting memories of things that happened in the Air Force base known as the Montauk Boys. I'm just telling you what I know. Were they doing something in the acid house? Like acid? She just said they were force-fed hallucinogens. <laughs> so, um, as you've pointed out several times, this story sounds very familiar, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It yes. sounds just like Stranger Things on Netflix. It does. Good job, Boyson. Both of you, I think, said that. But no, definitely you did me. twice. <laughs> Give her the credit. Okay, Boyston <laughs> called it right from the first sentence. Thank you. Do yes. I get an award? Uh, no. It is a high five. <laughs> <laughs> so Stranger Things definitely loosely based their story off of this conspiracy theory. It was originally called Montauk, but eventually changed to Stranger Things, and the setting was moved from uh, Montauk, New York, to Hawkins, Indiana, which is a made-up place. Fascinating. I had no idea. Interesting, yeah. That's one of the reasons why I've always loved Stranger Things. It's like conspiracy. Uh-huh. Like it's based government off real secret conspiracy theories. I love Stranger Things. Me too. That's why I wanted to do that. Also, fun fact, Hawkins National Laboratory in Stranger Things is loosely modeled after Brookhaven National Laboratory. And Brookhaven is real and is run by the U.S. Department of Energy. It's located in Long Island. And scientists built a 2.4 mile long machine called a relativistic heavy ion collider. Listen, how long is Long long Island? Longer than two miles. It took up, it's probably 2.6 miles. Okay. So I can just barely cover it. It's long, long enough island. (laughs) Long enough for the ion collider. Yes. (laughs) So this machine though, smashes particles together. This is about to get real sciencey out of my scope, but I'll, Put it into one sentence. It smashes particles together at the speed of light. Um, and it was originally created to study the origin of the universe mm-hmm. and atoms. But Stephen Hawking referred to it as a time machine. Yeah. So remember when we did the um, Mandela Effect episode? Yeah. Yes. And I was talking about the Large Hadron Collider mm-hmm. and string theory. Mm-hmm. Yes. Different levels of planes yes. with uh, different times, dimensions yep. on it. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same idea. It very much. I is. understand everything. Yes. <laughs> I don't feel like you're genuine. <laughs> I understand nothing. <laughs> there is a lot going on in that story. But th- just one more thing that I thought was interesting. The lab director at Brookhaven, um, th- he was actually afraid to make this come to fruition because he thought it might create a black hole or create a doomsday particle. That would destroy everything on Earth. What? How does that even exist? My brain is like... Now I'm feeling like Death Star vibes from (laughs) Star Wars. Montauk Air Force, it it does exist and it's still there, but obviously nobody's allowed in. There's lots of things saying, posted up saying, you cannot come in. Can we get like press badges and go in? Not allowed to the public. But what if we're a psychic? What if? If you break in and you're Preston Nichols. Hear um, me out. What if we go back in time? What if we time travel? And we then- have to go to Long Enough Island to get onto the <laughs> Iron Collider <laughs> and push ourselves down to an atom, time travel, mm-hmm. reappear. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to go when they're doing the experimenting because that was weird. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a very ethical time. Right. In America. But maybe like right afterwards. Sometime. I don't know when is a good time to visit 
an abandoned Air Force base that is known to have unethical experiments on people. I don't think any time is a good time. I know. I'm amazed so that there's still people there. Yes, there are still guards there that guard the property because it's a it's owned by the U.S. government. They don't want people in there. Which there's so you can see why this has been a conspiracy theory that has kind of been fed mm-hmm. and grown into what it has because there's a lot of things that kind of are believable and maybe some things that aren't right. But right. yeah, well, this place exists. Yeah, these people have these experiences and you can't like discount hundreds of people that come out and say that they've had weird experiences in this thing. I don't know. I don't know, but that is the Montauk Project, Montauk Experience. I'm still not entirely sure what what it is, but I am fascinated. (laughs) But that was a ride. (laughs) I am still strapped in and I'm like, my brain is... Have we taken off yet? I told you. Are we back? (laughs) I don't know. We've time traveled. I'm scratching my head with my mittens. (laughs) Your ice mittens. I don't know what's happened. I didn't mean to make it more confusing. No, it's <laughs> it's just a lot. It's a there lot. really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot to. Um, it was a lot to listen to. Yeah, that was wow. Well, thank you for hanging in there with me. No, thank you through the whole thing. I know. I know it was crazy. My mind kind of hurts, but it's also blown. <laughs> so it makes sorry. sense that it hurts. It makes sense that it hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, <laughs> this might be an episode you guys might have to listen to a couple times. <laughs> I feel like I need to do that. <laughs> and we're fine with that. I felt that I way with like the Illuminati even, episode, too. That's true. I feel like I even cut out some some things that I yeah. could. So, yeah. Maybe you need to go read the book and... Uh, yes. Come, read, read his book. His memoirs. <laughs> and uh, let me know what you think. I read, like, the Cliff's Notes version of so, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I do not read. You know this. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to our commuter episode by Sarah. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We will catch you next week. Okay, bye. 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 bye.